This is Power Athlete Radio. With your hosts, Denny Kaye, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Welcome to episode 75 of Power Athlete Radio. We got a good one for you today. Jed Johnson's our special guest, the grip master, the main dude from the Diesel Crew. What's happening, brother? Yo, thanks for having me, man. <laughs> yeah, I kind of stole your line, didn't I? Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. That's, that's called gimmick infringement. I just want you to know that. <laughs> That's a trademark violation. And of course, we got our power athlete coaches, John, Luke, Tex, and Callie. How you guys Wada! doing? Wada! <laughs> That's not trademark infringement. Yeah. Wada! 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 1999 here right now. <laughs> Ooh, you're in the new millennium. Yeah. That was only like two years ago, wasn't it? No. Was that? <laughs> it feels Are like serious? it was only two years ago. Are you serious? I, I think, John. Uh, I'll, I'll bet lasted you a decade. I'll bet you ten bucks, Callie, here on the air, on on the the real radio. Uh, there's a WhatsApp commercial this Super Bowl. Of course, it's a throwback. So is that a bet? It's vintage. It's vintage. First ten of all, pounds, ten greenbacks. You, you don't even have ten dollars. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's just start with year that was because I'm thinking it was within the last couple of years. Was that like ten <laughs> years ago? I remember it came out when I worked at a company. We are supposed to save this information. This is for the useless information nobody cares about oh, section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's put that to the end. We don't want to get taken <laughs> about bullshit. All right. So uh, episode 75. Damn. What is that? What's What's 75, uh, what's like the, the term for that? 325s? Uh, <laughs> no, well, bicentennial's 50, right? No, well, bicentennial would half, be... Don't half? Don't look at me. Half of a century. Yeah, half of a half century. Half of a century. Whereas a so centennial... So I'm calling it 50. Okay. Wait, Keep actually, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. A bicentennial's 200 years. Shit. 50's golden. 50's yeah. golden, right? Yeah, so if something's like a bicentennial, that would be two centennials. Luke is Googling it, and the word that came uh, up was jubilee. Would jubilee. be uh, <laughs> a half a centennial? How about three-quarter centennial? It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Show. Boom. It is a titanium jubilee, a celebration of the 75th or 100th anniversary. We're Welcome set. to Power Athlete Radio's titanium jubilee show. We <laughs> <laughs> just lost the viewer. Good, yeah. <laughs> Special guest Jed Johnson. Oh man. So uh, yesterday, Jed, you and I got a chance to talk for like a good hour. Um, why don't we? I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with you. We've uh, Bobby Goodfellow's been on the show before, and uh, we talked a little bit of grip training. Your name was brought up numerous times, but maybe um, for those listeners who aren't aware of who you are, you can just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the Diesel Crew. Yeah, man, for sure. Again, thanks for having me today, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, I run DieselCrew.com, and basically 
uh, I started Diesel Crew with a guy named Jim Smith back in like 1999. Uh, we came out with a website in 2003. Uh, he's since started his own website, so Diesel Crew is now just me. So I'm like the one-man crew. Uh, the site is dedicated to all, really, all forms of strength training, muscle building, things like that. But it's it's pretty much whatever I'm doing at the time, the most that gets the most attention. But it's uh. No one thing in particular, but over the years I've done I've done lots of different kinds of training and competitions. Strongman, uh, I'm most well known for grip and feats of strength. I've done powerlifting meets, things like that. So I just like to lift mainly and like to like to write and do videos and and things like that. So during our conversation, uh, we I had asked you. Um, Maybe for like some tips on uh, training, grip training for like field sport athletes. Yeah. And when we kind of started shooting ideas of how that conversation would go, you had mentioned, uh, first of all, that there was two types, in your opinion, there was like two types of training. You called it an integrated approach compared to like more of a classical approach, right? Yeah, there's, uh, there's a few terms. Um, the main two terms that you and I covered were grip isolation and grip integration. So basically what the difference there is, I'll give you some examples. If, if somebody wants to like get certified on closing a gripper, then they need to work on grippers specifically. So that is grip isolation. It's, it's working on a crushing aspect of grip. So you're isolating the grip itself. There's very little going on with the body, okay? With grip integration, you're doing some form of training where you're working either your whole body or a large portion of your body, but the grip strength component, the hands, are being challenged further than normal. So an example would be pull-ups. You have to hold the bar in pull-ups but the main objective with pull-ups is building up the back, shoulders, and arms. But you can turn the you can turn the pull-up into more of a grip strength challenge by using thick bars, doing it on an axle, doing the pull-up on a rope, things along those lines. It intensifies how hard the grip has to work in order to complete the pull-ups. So that becomes more of a grip integration exercise because you're training it at the same time as you are training your body. I mean, sure, the grip gets worked a little bit, you know, to a degree when you're doing pull-ups anyway, but when you start doing pull-ups on a kettlebell, for instance, instead of just a bar that you can wrap your hands around really easily, the grip gets worked much harder. So that's the idea of grip integration. Would you say that there's like a like kind of a separation with the grips in terms of like uh, muscle contraction, the idea that your grip integration is more of an isometric hold? versus the other, you know, the crushing, which would be that eccentric, concentric. Could you break it up in terms of, like, hey, you know what, like, your strength and your ability to hold something in that isometric contraction and that ability to kind of squeeze and create force is kind of a different style of training, or more importantly, there's kind of a different focus, and what you're looking to do is create almost a complete system? Well, I, I, the way I would refer to that is it's a different discipline of grip. So, so grippers is considered crushing, and it's, it's kind of a dynamic uh, finger-dominant exercise. So you're, you're crushing, your, your, you're closing your fist, if you will, against the resistance of the gripper. So that's crushing. 
If you're just holding something in an isometric hold, then that's called supporting, and they're, they're entirely different. Even though you're working the same exact muscles, the same, your, you know, your fingers and thumbs, your hands, or you're using the same sets of muscles and joints, the way that you train those is going to strengthen your hands differently. So in other words, you may be strong enough to pull 500 pounds with one hand in a one-hand deadlift on a, on a regular barbell, but that does not guarantee that you're going to be able to close any, any gripper whatsoever. Um, gripper training is specific to gripper training. You know, support grip training is specific to support grip training. And if you get too far away from either the joint angles or the movement properties of the lift, then you're, you know, that specificity is lost very, very quickly. The, uh, so what key factors are there for really developing grip strength? I mean, I know, uh, just reading, you know, some child development stuff that the Russians put out from, you know, I think, the 50s and the 60s. They talked about being able to develop grip strength up until the age of about 18 or 20, maybe even 22. And after that, they felt that uh, you could develop grip strength past a certain point, um, and that most of that training had to happen at a very young age. And that's why they used a lot of grip-intensive stuff, especially with the young, younger athletes. Uh, is, you know, and I, I never really bought in 100% into that. The idea, I, I think their idea was that, uh, you know, grip is very CNS intensive and that ability to generate force and crush something, um, you know, maybe goes back to central nervous system efficiency. So uh, have you ever seen anything where people can gain grip strength at a younger age and maybe not develop it at such a later, more advanced stage? No, I've, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with that study, and I... I, to I actually totally disagree with that. Um, I there's there's plenty of there's plenty of grip competitors that are well over the age of 18 that are constantly improving their their grip performance all the time. So, um, you know, I I actually see no limits to the age where you can improve your grip strength because we have we have competitors that are that are doing it all the time and they're well in their 60s. So. You know, yeah, it's it, it's one of those things that I read and I thought it was kind of bullshit. I'm like, ah, I don't know if I buy into that one because thinking about, uh, you know, like, well, you can continue to get stronger, you can continue to create central nervous system efficiency, hypertrophy, and all those deal, uh, all those yeah. you know key factors into advanced years. So the idea that your ability to generate force within your hands is limited after a certain age never really kind of made a lot of sense to me. So. I always wanted to meet somebody that had done a ton of grip training and was pretty extensive with it. I think I never asked Bobby on it, so you're probably a better one. It defies everything I know about dad strength, too. You know, like the weird grip strength that you... Well, dad strength is all predicated on this, this... Well, it's... Uh, this <laughs> As a father, John. As a father, yeah, of girls. Uh, I think dad strength is predicated on this thing where, like, you probably never want to show weakness to your offspring, mm -hmm. so therefore, like, you will harness some interior strength to make it happen. Uh, but is that like a mother picking up a car off a kid? Uh, that was well. I, I don't. No, because I think dad strength could do that, but dad would be like, 
Yeah, they died, they died. <laughs> uh, whereas uh, mom's strength comes from the fact that like she's probably more pissed off that the kid's getting dirty more so than the car's on top of her. Like my kids are covered in dirt all the time, and so my wife is would probably like take pull the car off them just to scold them for getting marker on their clothes. So maybe that's where mom's strength comes from. But uh, successfully derailed. When when I was in when I was in college, we had. Um, God, I cannot remember what the name of them were, but they're basically uh, like an apparatus you squeeze in and it measures your grip strength. Oh, that uh, uh, T? What is that? Jet. Jet? Is it a dynamometer? Yeah, you squeeze in it. Basically, it's like oh, pounds per square inch of your grip. Yeah. They, and they, uh, for short, they, they use the word dyno, but it's actually dynamometer. There's, there's lots of them out there, and they're actually pretty cool devices, but they're expensive as hell. So in, in college, we had, uh, we had those, and my strength coach, that was how he would test whether or not we were recovered or not from workouts. So you came in, and there was either two tests. It was either a vertical jump test, and we had baselines for all this, and uh, and the, the grip stuff. And so if you came in, and all of a sudden you'd squeeze, and you were within a standard deviation, you know, you were good to go. If somebody came in, and they were just completely fried. off the radar, they were fried. Yeah. You know, my coach was pretty sharp in that. He's like, you know, uh, we might have to trim some stuff back and look at a little recovery. What you know, And then, of course, it always predicated on, like, we would do them on Fridays, and what's National Drinking Night in college? Thursday Every night. day? Oh. Monday through Friday. Well, day drinking Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, for, <laughs> for us at Berkeley, it was uh, Thursday night. was Monday, a big water night. So we would come in, and our coach would be like, you know, go get the uh, the dynamometer, and we would squeeze it. And, like, if we were super far off, he was either, like, take a recovery day, or if he knew you were fucked up, he would, like, punish you. Give me a beer. Be like, ah, let's go outside. We're going to fucking torture. So um, it was it was a pretty interesting deal, uh, especially and also vertical jump, that ability to generate vertical displacement was another one. And I, uh, Jed, what do you think about using that as, like, an extrapolation for your ability to put force on an object that given day? Do you think that that's, a, like, a pretty valid testing uh, you know, way yeah, and like performance. Yeah, I think so. As long as um, as long as every time the guy grabs it, you've got the handle in the right spot or in the same spot, because those handles a lot of times will swing and then uh, and adjust. So if you just throw it at them and it's a different grip position from last time and they don't remember where it was, you know, they're the the numbers are going to change. Uh, okay. The other thing is, you know, how greasy are your hands? You know, did you let him use chalk last time? Now he's got salve on his hand or something like that. That that can all throw that stuff off. But um, as long as those variables are kept consistent, I think it's a pretty good a pretty good thing. Um, especially because it's a primarily an isometric, and there isn't a great deal of technique that's involved. So so yeah, for sure. So like about a month ago when I went and saw Hercules at a drive-in theater, when you go into the concession stand, uh, they have a few arcade, um, you know, our arcade freaking games there. And the one I always see is like the freaking grip one. Yeah. <laughs> How accurate is one of those, man? I mean, you walk up to those and just freaking crush it. Or does it tell you like, uh, are you know, when you give it a good squeeze, it kind of keeps you in that, in the weakling uh, area of the freaking scale. Well, I can tell you that those are way off because I always suck at those. Well, here's the thing. It's kind of like those freaking uh, the where you you hit the uh, you got the sledgehammer and you hit the base and it rings that bell. I mean, 
If anybody yeah. has yeah, that's any, accurate. Like, yeah, that's yeah, accurate. Anybody has uh, any carny experience? I mean, the way you hit those things is like the very edge of the left, uh, like pedal, whatever you want to call that. And you'll ring the bell if you hit it there. Anywhere else, you won't. You heard it here first, people. That's Wait, bullshit. What? I, I need some I, no, 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 Danny is a carny. Well, it's so crazy. In I my past life, I was a carny. Now's a good time to really disclose Rehash. where we found Callie at a carnival as a bearded woman. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that, John? No, I thought she was the foot binding. Yeah, same the thing. Foot binding? No, I was the first combo. Foot bearded, bearded, foot bound. <laughs> yeah, bearded, yeah. Well, okay. actually, Denny, they, they had to outlaw those. They took them all away because Jed went around and shattered all of them. He just ripped it clean off. <laughs> just crushed it. Yeah. That's because I got pissed when I when I did when I got a poor score and just just smashed them. No score, ah, don't smash. Don't smash. <laughs> just fucking smash that thing into oblivion. So, dude, what's the uh, what's the grip sport like? I mean, I, I, I you know researched a few videos of you. You or do you still hold the uh, the world record for what was it, two hundred fifty seven pounds on the on that pinch? I don't hold it anymore. Uh, a dude beat me in December of 2012, and then somebody else beat him uh, earlier this year. I think it was in February. Um, but my my top record on that was 268, and then the record right now is 271. Uh, so you're close. Oh yeah, I'm still close. It's just uh, you know training to get it back, but uh, not all competitions have that event in them, and the last time that I competed on that, it's it's called the two-hand pinch, by the way. The last time I competed on it, I had this nasty cut on my thumb, and it opened up. So, you know, it kind of took away, you know, quite a bit of my pinch potential. Was the, the uh, was the cut from kipping pull-ups? No, I Just I gotta tell you, I've never done those. That's um, a joke. <laughs> I know. Uh, the uh, no, the the cut was just from from training it. My I, it's funny. I don't know if you guys run run by this at all. Had this happen, but I'll go in spurts where my my skin doesn't tear at all, and then all of a sudden every single workout I I hit the weights, my my skin tears. So it, it gets to be pretty frustrating. Um, I've gotten into wearing wearing gloves to protect the area on my thumb so that it doesn't happen. Um, is it something where you, like your hands get real dry and they and they split, or your hands get kind of soft and wet and they and they, they tear? Dude, I'll I'll tell you, it's almost like I I'm lacking something in my diet or something for a period, and and like the skin, like the continuity of the of the skin matrix or whatever it is, just is lost and it's, it's uh, a while el elasticity. So you're so basically you're losing some of the elasticity of the skin. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a real weird real weird deal. Like right now, I'm going through. Actually, I've I've cut the last two training sessions, and I'm only hitting it once a week. And I I had no problems up until last week, and then I cut again this week. So, so uh, do, do you do anything different with your diet, or sort of like any other factors? Because like, you know, like a, a classic one is people, and I, this is kind of a little off base, but uh, like when people go into a pool and all of a sudden your hands prune, people always think that it's like your skin getting waterlogged. It's actually a neurological reaction to being in the water, and that pruning increases your grip. What? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Because so, it makes you more grippy yeah, on slippery yeah, surfaces. Yeah, it it's a look it up. evolutionary look, trait. Doing it right now, but still it's, looking for nutrients. So, uh, so, but, so, so it, like uh, I'm thinking, like I, collagen things, diet, things in your diet that help produce collagen. Yeah, I mean, help so, with elasticity. so your body's pretty interesting in that, like you put it in different environmental deals and it'll react. So, I mean, skin. You think as people age, they lose collagen in their face. I mean. People in Newport Beach get it injected. They actually steal it from young children and then they inject it into their faces so they live off the, <laughs> off the fat of the young. Uh, but just think about that. This is a weird I wonder thing. if, like, you know, that, that's kind of interesting. Like, all of a sudden, that you would be able to, to notice, like, certain changes within your skin at certain points in your training. I mean, that could be anything from, like, diet, sleep, overtraining, I mean, Class. climate, you know, I mean, psoriasis or something. I mean, we, we had a guy, Jesse Gray, that trained with us who developed really bad psoriasis. And uh, ended up like fucking yeah, killing his, his training. His hands like his hands, he had to wear like white gloves. He couldn't walk because his feet were cracking. He couldn't make it to work. And then uh, he ended up moving, like moving, and it kind of like subsided. It just kind of like came up and then went away. And it all sparked on. Um, he moved into an apartment that had a bunch of fleece, and he didn't know it. He put his bed down, set it up, moved into this guy's house, and was like sleeping. And woke up, and he had like 300 flea bites. All Fuck. over his body. He like came in and I it's, saw it and I was yeah. like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "Dude, I think there was fleas or something in the place and fucked. like uh, they attacked him." And then from then on, he had like these crazy fucking uh, problems where it was like you know, uh, like it was such a shock to his immune system yeah. that he ended up developing the psoriasis and he was messed up for like two years because of it. And I think he ended up outgrowing it, but uh, fucking. Crazy. So don't ever find somebody on Craigslist to live with. Hey Jed, are those competitions? Um, and forgive my ignorance, but are they are they drug tested? No, not not at this point. There's I don't I don't I don't know of any grip contests that have ever been drug tested in the United States. Yeah. Are drugs a big problem in the grip competitions? Not that I know of, man. I mean, there's there's speculation about people. I mean, I've had people tell me that so and so is on. Drugs or whatever, steroids, but like it, it just doesn't matter to me. They can do what they want to. Um, Would it be that significant of a? Well, what about I cocaine? Wonder. I wonder if cocaine. I mean, when he said drugs, I was thinking like people are like coked up and they're like fuck yeah, and they run over there and they fucking rip some shit and it pulls their arms off. But uh, I don't know, maybe. But uh, like SNL All Drug Olympics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she gonna deadlift a thousand pounds. Huh. Are are they kind of more like a underground, or is there like a big federation? I mean, I, I just uh, you know, other than you know when we invite you on the, on uh, uh, on the podcast, I looked up and I watched, the, or I went to the Diesel Crew and I watched all your videos. But like, are they you know local competitions? Is there some like national governing body? I mean, obviously, like Guinness Book of World Records probably comes to some of them, or someone gets certified. So, um, what we have is the North American Grip Sport Organization. It's at gripsport.org, and it's uh, it's a group of about five or six people, including myself, and we work together to, to kind of manage things. We have rules, sets, and, and things like that for the events. Um, if someone wants to have their contest sanctioned to make it a qualifier for the national championship, they have to contact us and uh, go through go through a few different steps. Uh, generally, the people that run the promotion... Uh, People, the people that promote the contest are people that have competed before, so they have an idea of what the expectations are of a of a sanctioned contest, things things along those lines. So yeah, we have a we have a governing body, and we're always trying to move the step the the sport forward. Uh, unfortunately, the 
people who are running the organization also have full-time jobs, so progress ends up being kind of slow and frustrating at times. But it's it's growing all the time. The sport's growing. The national championship gets bigger each year. And, uh, you know, this is, let's see, this is, my first contest was in 2003. So there was nothing back then. And, uh, and now we have what we have. So it is progress. So, Jed, with it being kind of like a fringe sport, is there any crossover to other, I guess, like fringe-esque sports like arm wrestling? Do you find that guys are not only competing in uh, the grip sport, but they're also competing in things similar or things that might, you know, require a similar adaptation? Yeah, that, that, that definitely happens. There's one guy that I used to train with quite frequently, and we used to go all over the country to contests. His name's John Eaton. Um, he's a very, very skilled grip sport competitor. He's done a lot of noteworthy grip feats. And lately, you know, ever since uh, Game of Arms came on, he's, he's spent most of his time arm wrestling. And I see he's actually finished very high and even won a couple of arm wrestling competitions that he's been to. So, yeah, there's... There's definitely carryover between grip and arm wrestling, grip and powerlifting, grip and strongman, grip and highland games. All of those sports that I mentioned, we have competitors that do grip that also do those sports. So if you have a, let's say you are a competitor in, we'll say in the upper 50th percentile, maybe upper 40th percentile in grip competition, are you just yeah. guaranteed to be strong? Or are there little skinny Peter Parker dudes that come out there weird. and just have freakish grip strength? I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't say there's Peter Parkerish dudes that come out and, and kick butt in most competitions. Yeah. There are there is one guy in particular, Cody Burns, who he is the he is the guy that beat my world record in the two hand pinch. He competes in the 93 kilo class, mm -hmm. so I mean he is—he's very, very light, and uh, you know, and he's right up there with me. And when I was setting my world records, at, um, my body weight was actually up over 270 pounds, so I outweighed the guy by close to 100 pounds. But he was—he was able to equal, you know, my weight. So. Yeah. So body weight goes into it, okay? I, I've never been the guy that went out and said, we need weight classes in grip sport because I actually always felt that it was a lot more dependent upon, you know, your lower arm size, okay? But I saw, you know, how popular or the idea of weight classes were, and I, and I started to change my views, and I think it's actually been a good thing for the sport now that we have the weight classes that we do. And... It just may, it just it just allows things to be more competitive across the board because there are some events out there where a 270 pounder is going to have a tremendous advantage over a 170 pounder without a doubt. And what is the what is the heavyweight mark? So where do where does your mark start becoming class? Yeah, the the let's see, you have 120 plus, 120 kilo plus for the like the unlimited, and then it's uh, under 120 for the heavyweight, and then the next cutoff is 105 kilos. So 105 kilos is 231. That's that's what I've competed at for about the last the last year or so was was 231. 
Um, and I won nationals this past year, so I kind of accomplished a big goal of mine at that weight class. So now I'm I'm letting my natural weight come back, and I'm a, I'm at like I was 241 this morning. Um, I have a question. So, with your experience with like just general weight training, too, in comparison, do you find that, for instance, like your gains that you make in traditional powerlifting, um, is it similar to the gains that you would make in terms of grip strength? Meaning that if you take time off, or say you had like four weeks off, or you injured yourself, or something like that, what I mean, do you find that you lose your gains in, the, in a similar fashion and then regain them in the same way, or does the grip strength, does it maintain um, more so than, for instance, like hypertrophy or, or strength or something like that? It's, it's, kind of, it's pretty similar. One, I'll tell you, one of the things for me that goes down if I take too much time off or if I get hurt is, is crushing, is grippers. There's a lot of technique involved, and, you know, what, that, there's a lot of coordination involved, too. A lot of, a lot of CNS firing that has to take place, and... You know, top, the, the really heavy grippers, you know, actually any gripper, um, the last the last quarter inch of the range of motion on the gripper is just so, so hard to cover. And I find that if I take too much time off, I lose that last quarter of an inch. That's the most important quarter of an inch because the trick, the, the object is to close the gripper, not shut it down to a quarter of an inch, you know. So that that one definitely goes quickly, but other than that, I would say I would say it's fairly similar. You know, you get rusty. You can get rusty pretty quick, but at the same time, after a couple of weeks, it usually comes back. So this is a, a just like to nerd out for a second. I'm curious as to why the last quarter inch. I mean, obviously, I know why it's important, but why is that the most difficult? You would think with your palm completely splayed out that you are at less of a mechanical advantage than you are when your right. hand is almost completely closed. You know, you, this is that's that's Cali I'm talking to, right? Yeah. Or is it fatigue by the time you get to that point? No, it's not fatigue. What it is is it has to do with the mechanics of the spring on the gripper. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. The way that it works is as you as you pull that front handle closer to the back handle, you're actually spreading the spring apart. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of stuff that's going on there that you're contending with, and that that force is greatest at the end of the range of motion. Ah, uh, okay, gotcha. All right. I'm just working with a with a a collar right now with my hand to. <laughs> so you're yeah. really act, you're actively thinking about pulling the front end towards the back end as opposed to just trying to bring them together like like equidistant. Yeah, it's not, it's not equidistant. There is some there there is advanced technique that you can use with grippers where you push your thumb forward, but I found that some people just can't figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can get a lock. You can actually get a lock. I call it a thumb strike, with your thumb, so that you can assist that last quarter inch, eighth of an inch, using your thumb. Hmm. If we had video, I could show you exactly what I was talking about. But you know. yeah, we'll look. We'll I'll look through your, some of your videos too. I was just checking out your website. Noticed you had a, a little hashtag going on called Yoktober, which is. Uh, quite a play on October or Oktoberfest. Yoktober is something I've never heard of. Yeah, it's something that I just came up with the other day in my head. <laughs> I love it. It's essentially well, uh, what I've been doing. I got it. The last, the last couple of months, I've been doing a form of specialized training for some some body part, and 
in August, I did August of Arms, where I trained either biceps, triceps, or both every single day through the month. And then September, I did leg timber. So <laughs> I, did, I did some form of leg training uh, almost every day. I actually missed three days during September. It was it was a crazy month for me. But then now, <laughs> in, in October, we're doing traps, upper back, shoulders, or triceps, trying to get as big of a an increase in the outline as possible. How's how's it all going? I mean, how's how does it feel to specialize like that, like virtually every day? Well, I was I was I was leery about it because <laughs> I was under the impression that I would probably get overtrained from it. Sure. But actually, um, in August, I'll tell you what, my it was the best my elbows have felt in in a long time. I generally don't have trouble with my elbows. But you know, every once in a while you wake up and there's a little a little stitch here or something like that in the elbows. I'm pretty good preventively, but it was, I felt amazing during August. Like I I think it's a great idea to to specialize now. So that's why that's why I'm continuing to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's an old that's an old John Wellborn trick. Get those hammer curls every day. Keep those elbows fresh, right? No, my big deal yeah. was uh, always doing like banded tricep extensions because I always felt that like driving a bunch of blood into my triceps ended up making my elbows feel better and then working on those hammer curls, uh, you know, pretty heavy, really developed a lot of that, that kind of, like, I mean, basically that grip strength. I mean, I made a living mm -hmm. off of uh, being able to punch my hands, grab as hard as I can, and squeeze. and Whatever you find. Well, no, I mean, I, I, dude, I had pretty good precision. Like, I could shoot my hands exactly where I wanted to, and I always aim for the outside of the shoulder pads. And as I would shoot, I would go here, and I would squeeze and then rotate my elbows and create torque on the jersey and the deal. And, uh, uh, like, you know, it was always great when, like, you have that lock on and you're holding on for, for dear life, and dudes are trying to just pound your arms off them, and you're like, nope, not getting off. Yeah. And, uh that was a, a big part of our stuff. I mean, it was, you know, developing that grip strength. I mean, things like the farmer carries and also a lot of those hammer curls. I mean, super heavy. You work up to hundreds with hammer curls and, you know, hold them for max deal and, uh, you know, fat bars. And so we did a lot of that training for a long, long time. The reverse because curl fat right. bar was a motherfucker. Did you get a if lot of holding calls? Called the fit? Sorry. What's that? Go ahead, Jed. Isn't, isn't that called the fit when you get in there and, and grip on the line? Uh, well, like, usually, like, a fit is, uh, you know, when you come off the ball, they always call, like, a good fit is, like, your hat under their hat and, like, into a good position. Okay. Uh, yeah. the idea of, like, setting back, like, shooting your hands, like, we called it, like, punch and grab. So, but the idea was that you had to be pretty precise and know exactly where your hands were going. And, uh, I boxed from the time I was a young kid, so, like, I was always really good with precision with my hands. I could set back and shoot my hands exactly where I wanted them to. And just looking at like a, uh, a chest, I mean, imagine like the chest of a defender. It, like imagine a steering wheel is what I always pictured, and I wanted my hands to be at three and nine. So like I would set back, and like as I was doing, it, I would shoot my hands at that three and nine. Now obviously you can't do that every time. So then my other ones is I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna shoot like a, a two and a seven, and I would shoot one high, and then if I could get them on the top of their shoulder pads and actually like hold the top of their shoulder pad, I would shoot in and try to get them underneath. I mean to the point where like we knew exactly what the shoulder pads looked like, who who was wearing what. I look and I'd be like, okay, those are Rydells. I know they're going to be, okay, oh, wait, he cut his shoulder pads. And then I'd get into guys that uh, ended up cutting the insides of their shoulder pads back. 
and they would start tailoring and kind of grinding crap off of their shoulder pads so I couldn't grab it. And I remember going against a guy, and he, he was like, yeah, I cut my shoulder pads up so you can't grab that plate. And I was like, well, I'm still going to fucking get you. So to give you guys a visual, John's kind of like uh, is um, miming what he was what he would do and grabbing, and I can't stop thinking about taking a bull by the horns. And oh, my God. <laughs> no, actually, that really happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it, there's very few things that are more exciting than literally punching and hitting somebody as hard as you can, <laughs> snatching them up, locking them down, and then watching them trying to get your hands off them like a little kid. Going, I like to curl up with a good book, and I, and, uh, I find that that's... I'll tell you, pretty. like, I, you know... It, it, I mean, it, it was a great technique and something we used for a long time, and so it's frustrating to watch football now and see these young kids just fucking Slap shoot fight. their heads, fucking die, fucking lazy Slap hands. Fight. And uh, I, I watch it, and, like, um, yeah, it's fucking embarrassing. But I'll, I'll watch the football. I, I watch the football with my girls, and uh, they sit there and they look at me when I'm like, oh, your dad would have never got beat like that. Oh, you know, and they're pretty funny. They, uh, so, so now they, they mimic me, and they'll, like, raise their hands when they see a bad play. <laughs> Hey John, did you get a lot of holding calls when you were playing? Uh, no. You felt no? no, no, and I'll tell you why. They only get you on holding if you grab, if you are outside of that steering wheel. So like the, you know, when you see like a hold is usually like when somebody goes over the top or you're holding on. I was real good about punching, keeping my hands held, and keeping the guy in front of me. Now if or the if guy getting around you, if the guy went around me, then you have to let go. Yeah. Or you get holding calls, or you pull or tug, or if you fall down and you pull somebody down on top of you. So there was an idea that as long as I can stay in front of you, punch my hands, and then out-athlete those fat fucks, uh, I was good. And um, then I would outsmart them by telling, you know, making really strange comments to them. I'd be like, hey, I see your mom's up in the second row. She keeps making it. Jed, have you ever been asked to come in and help with some football teams? No, I've never... Uh, I've never helped with football teams like like on the field, but I actually last year I did put together an ebook for linemen, uh, grip training for linemen, and uh, I could I could send that to you guys if you wanted to check yeah, it out. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we yeah. can link that up if you can send well, us that. Yeah, great. send send me. I'd love to read it. That's awesome. What about do you do you find yourself working with with sport athletes? <laughs> Yeah, I've got I've got some football players that I train now. I I, I don't have a big facility, guys. I train out of a garage. Yeah. I'm actually looking for a building to get into, but the, the rent around here is ridiculous. But anyway, that's that's another whole story. But what I was gonna I was gonna where ask you, where are you based out of? Maryland. No, I'm in I'm in Pennsylvania. Wyalusing, oh, okay. Pennsylvania. Where? Wyalusing, Pennsylvania. Where's that? What's that close to? Uh, I guess the the closest town would be Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, I know I know Scranton, PA. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I lived in Philly for five years, and then lived over in Jersey for a couple of years. So I mean, I yeah, I know Pennsylvania pretty well. Tex, what's that race called that we want to do? <laughs> the uh, race right of the Saints. Spartan race. No, it's it's the race of the Saints. It's the Ubaldo yes. race. Ubaldo. Saint Ubaldo. What, what is that? <laughs> you guys, have you ever heard of that? I don't know what that is. No. Okay. Well, we have we have a on. Jed, you need to get on our team then. Uh, I, I, I was a show at Tom Canabby. Yeah, we'll, we'll send you the link. But uh, I'm checking out your website. You see you work with some basketball, some MMA, and arm wrestling. What is the weirdest sport request or grip help request you've ever received? I, dude, I just had somebody, I just had somebody wrote, write me the other day 
They wanted me to take a hot water bottle and blow it up to the point where it almost burst and then stop and then send it to them so that they could blow it up the rest of the way. What the it. fuck? What the fuck? What does that mean? Why? Was well, it a girl? Franco, that's, that's the old Franco Colombo trick where Franco could, like, inflate the... Uh, so they're trying to win a bet, basically, and they want to put you close to... use you to put them close to winning. Pro yeah, I guess. Dude, I don't know. The dude was in, like, Germany or something like that. I don't, I don't even know if it was... Germany. You know, the only problem was is if you put it in a box and you shipped it overseas, it would, you expand. Guys, it would expand. It would explode. You guys yeah. ever seen like a water bottle? It would explode. This guy sounds like a terrorist. If you Don't see something, it, say something. Well, I mean, we we were thinking maybe like in the porn business, you know, that like what? you know, like the double axe handle, maybe you'd work the grip that Listen, way. I mean, Jed is a professional. But we aren't. It's not to say that it's not beyond him. I don't know what Sorry. a double axe handle is. A double axe handle is you hit somebody with both forearms in the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, what, that's, yeah, exactly that's exactly what we're talking about. Yep. That's it. That's it. Next, next I was, question. I thought you were talking about porn. All right, go ahead. <laughs> well, you don't know what the weird shit John's into. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Summers is over there doing like a Here double pepper cracker. I'm like, what are you making salad over there? What's going on? I was talking about culinary arts, yes. All right, Jed. Let's uh, let's help some of our CrossFitters out there. You and right. I, in our conversation, you had mentioned that um, you. Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I thought you had said something like you had worked with a few, and uh, you had thought that um, there was like some wrist and elbow issues that they could improve upon to to perform better at their sport. Correct. Yeah, I, you know. I I know I know a small group of CrossFitters. There's not much CrossFit around this area. There's nothing around this area, to be honest. Wow. As far as as far as CrossFit, the closest thing is in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, which is probably 45 minutes away. Um, the, but the one guy that I know, his name is Mark Nolan, and he he had a severely messed up wrist for a long time. It was it was interfering in a lot of his. A lot of his lifts, causing problems, distractions, things like that, and I was able to help him quite a bit with just with just one technique uh, on his wrist. He said that when he did this, it, it probably bounced back to like 90 to 95 percent. Uh, didn't get all the way back to 100 percent, but it was it was huge. And I think I think what happened was he had a like a subluxation of one of his carpal bones. I think it got out of whack and caused a a huge problem with his uh, wrist extension ability, and and you guys know like front, you know the front rack for front squats for for jerks for overhead stuff. If you can't get into that extended position for your wrist, you know it, it hurts so bad that it can be a real distraction on your lift. So I was able to help him out with that. Uh, we just did a it's called band traction. So you just take a you just take like a jump stretch band. And you crank it, you choke it around the guy's wrist, and then you also choke it to a nice sturdy surface. And what you do is you kind of just go through different joint manipulations, extension, go through the deviations, kind of do some rows with your arm, things like that. And generally, what what you do when you line it up properly, you should be able to, you should be able to traction it in a way that whatever bone is out of whack, it gets back into that proper alignment. And it doesn't usually feel good. Uh, it doesn't usually feel better right then, but the next day after it's had the opportunity to have all the inflammation get out of there and everything to get back where it's supposed to be, it makes a huge difference. 
And you think that uh, is that just like the flexors being stronger than the extensors, or just uh, tight wrists, or something? Just immobile, just the the ability to not create like a front rack or, or anything like that. I I think it's I think it could be either of those things. Generally, when someone writes me and they ask for assistance with their wrist, like nobody. I'll tell you, nobody trains their extensor muscles of their yeah. wrist and their fingers. Nobody, nobody trains them effectively, so they're in a state of neglect, which leads to weakness. And when you get out of balance uh, between the, the antagonist muscles, the, that's when you can have alignment issues take place. Now, sure, trauma can make it happen if you fall on your wrist, whatever. You know, that can yeah. happen too, but it, it, it can happen over time from neglect of those muscles. So the first thing that I tell people to do is to just start training the extensors and then see if that stimulation pulls everything back into alignment. Then we usually go to the traction and if if one of those things doesn't doesn't fix it, then I'm I'm like just you got to get to a chiropractor and have them check it out because it may be dislodged so badly and really dislodged badly might be an eighth of an inch. I don't even know how much room of space there is to move in there. But, um, you know, you probably need some kind of more advanced help than what the band can provide. Cool. Hey, John, antagonistic balance, man. Uh, extensor work, Jimmy Buffett's. Well, not even that. It's uh, We have our Kodiakiller complex. And, you know, we something we work on and, you know, talk about the seminar is that Everybody works on the grip, but nobody ever works on the extension. So uh, I learned that. I mean, dude, Roth and I started doing that in 2000, where we used to work on being able to open the hands as wide as we could and then be able to close. And then you know, we have a, a you know whole deal that we do with it in different yeah. angles. If anybody's interested too, go back and look for the articles that I did with Jed and with Bobby Goodfellow. Yeah. And there are two programs there to help you guys work on the antagonistic muscle groups. And uh, just to create that muscle balance and also some stuff to help with uh, muscular endurance because in CrossFit, you know, kind of to segue into that, like what Denny was asking Jen about, you know, that's that's a huge component. I mean, grip is one of the first things to fail in things like hang power cleans or pull-ups, mm -hmm. um, particularly for girls. So, you know, that's you can find some good resources um, both on Jed's page and the articles that we did with him in the past. Jed, do you find an inverse relationship between grip strength and grip endurance? It depends on what you're training, I guess. Yeah, it's it's all based off your training. If you're training both, yeah. then you can have both. I mean, if it's if you're okay, so like guys that I've had working with me that can't do a lot of pull-ups, we do a combination of weighted pull-ups and then dry pull-ups because it they're able to do more pull-ups overall, but plus they're able to increase kind of their you know their baseline strength for pull-ups, like the supporting grip function. So, so we work both, but you know, there's again, it's, it's very specific. You, you, it depends on what you're training. So, do you? I mean, being I guess uh, an expert or enthusiast in grip strength, do you feel like that term gets bastardized all the time? Like someone's like, "Man, my grip strength sucks," and it's like, "Well, oh. no, it's not your grip strength. Yeah. You suck. You suck." <laughs> Yeah, a lot of a lot of times people with grip problems have all all around lack of strength. Yeah, <laughs> you're like it's not your grip that's weak; it's you that's weak. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
if it's if if someone has what I would call a grip problem, it's probably usually has something to do with one one particular aspect of their grip is weak. Like maybe they have really bad wrists because they broke their wrist as a kid, or they were in a cast for a while, they lost range of motion in a thumb, and their thumbs messed up, something along those lines. You know that that stuff that stuff requires some specific action to take place for the hands. Right. But a, lot of, a lot of times people just got to start lifting heavier. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. I mean, it, it's it's one of my biggest pet peeves too is people basically, you know, uh, using grip and using wrist weakness as an excuse for just not being strong in general. And I understand if your wrists hurt or things like that in the front rack position or, you know, maybe doing a handstand on the wall or whatever. Um, but I, I firmly believe it's, I usually hear those complaints coming from people who are new to training and you have to allow those, that smaller musculature and that smaller joint to catch up and all of the ligaments and tendons involved to catch up to, uh, how much of a jacked badass you are. Uh, so well, it, it takes, it takes a it while. It takes dramatically longer to develop tendon and connective tissue strength than it does muscle strength. Totally. Because it, it, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, there's just, it's not, an area like that's flooded with blood flow, like a, like a muscle is. So it, it does take a long time to recover as well between um, training sessions. So yeah, I mean, I think the the big thing too is people can train grip and train wrist strength, but uh, using it as a, like using it as accessory work. But I think a lot of times with novice lifters, I mean, if if they think that that's the one thing that's really holding them back, I firmly just believe it's it's more time under a bar, more time, you know, in a certain position. I mean, would you agree with that, Jed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, like, it's kind of like our approach to accessory work. It's it's only necessary after a certain period of time of just basically moving the weight and getting what used to the What about genetics? Like, like that, that's the other uh -uh. one. Like, I, I always wonder, like, genetic-wise, like, I remember, um, God, I cannot remember who, oh, when I met Bill Kassmeyer, uh, Kaz's hands, it was like there was like a straight line from his thumb. So I remember looking at his form, it just like went there, like there was no turn here. No deviation. And like, yeah, from it the was wrist. crazy. Like his like hand just kind of like glued into like this big like pipe. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at him, and I like you know, dude just had massive wrists, and I you know, I mean, dude was super strong, and it's like you always kind of look at people genetically, and I wonder if uh, you know, like I'm sure wrist diameter and kind of like how you're put up. I mean, all of a sudden, if like you have a uh, a shorter forearm and maybe like a longer humorous head. I mean, we, we see people all the time that are great adventurers that have, you know, shorter mm -hmm. uh, humor, you know, like from humorous, here, yeah. you know. And, uh, you know, I was I was at a seminar and this guy was doing floor press and it was crazy. Like his, from his elbow to his shoulder was so short mm -hmm. that like he brought it down. He had to like let it sink into his chest uh, to get his elbows to sit on the ground. And uh, I was like, Dude, you should be able to bench the fucking universe. <laughs> so, and, and Jed, it reminds me of that guy you were talking about earlier who was in a, I think he said the 97 kilo weight, cl weight class or 91, um, yeah. and and how he he surpassed your uh, grip record. And it just makes me think maybe there are some outliers out there due to biomechanical advan advantages and, and um, I guess, genetics. joint angles, genetics. Uh, that puts them in a position to where they can really optimize like the sport. Well, I mean that's possible. I don't want to take anything away from this guy because he's proven by far that he works his ass off harder than most people do, and, and sure, probably even me. So I, I don't want to say I, I don't want to pin it on him that he's a genetic wonder. Um, the dude works. The dude 
the dude just trains hard. And yeah. he, you know, in grip, unfortunately, a lot of people don't make the investments that they could in order to make their uh, improvements, okay? And this guy is not afraid to buy the equipment that he needs in order to train the event. He owns the implement that is used in competition. So mm, imagine that. Yeah, imagine imagine if you had to carry a yoke at a competition, like an actual strongman yoke, but you were too cheap to buy the yoke, so you were just going to put a barbell on your back. You know, it's not right. the same. You know what I mean? Right. So so you know, this guy I just there are genetic outliers out there and he may have some genetic things that help him. I just don't want it to I just don't want everybody to think that uh, that that's the only reason why. You know what yeah. I mean? Sure. Yeah, I gotcha. But one, one, thing, oh, sorry. One, one thing that is, uh, one thing you can't argue with as far as genetics, and someone mentioned Kaz's thumb. Uh, there's, a, there's a thing that I call a 180. So, like, if you open your hand up as far as you can and try to separate your thumb and your pinky uh, apart from one another. We're all doing it. If you can get them into like a straight line, it's called a 180, and uh, most people can't do that. But if you can do that, it's a tremendous advantage for things like block weight lifting, which block weight lifting is one of the things that Bobby Goodfellow was real good at when he did a lot of grip. So I would assume that he can probably open his hand up to a 180 pretty pretty well or pretty close. Is it the tip of your thumb or? No, it's like if your little finger and your thumb make a straight line. I got it. No. I got it, too. Honestly, none of us. Look at that. Look at that. I call it 165. I could get 180 to the tip of the thumb. Pretty close. Hold on. Look at that. Look at that. I'm there. Look at that one. Look at that one. No. Barely. Get out of here. Fuck you. Kelly <laughs> <laughs> just can't admit it because like she just has to be the no person on this what? podcast. No, it, it's it's true. It's the only place she says no. See, look where you started, Jed. We're oh, fighting. Mom and dad are fighting. I've got a hundred thousand people looking at their hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> what uh Jed? Oh, Jack, go. Yeah. Uh Jed, I'm just curious about uh, warm-ups for not only kind of training, or how about your competition? If you're only doing grip in a competition, what's your approach? You deadlifting or doing anything crazy? Yeah, dude, I'm doing multi-joint exercises just like I was getting ready for a powerlifting meet or a strongman contest. Yep. Any tips? I, I, could, I'm sorry. I generally, yeah, I generally start out with a, with a full-body general warm-up using foam rollers and different, you know, dynamic warm-up exercises, just body weight, um, some light stretching, dynamic stretching, you know, not just static stretching, um, but, you know, dynamic stuff. I'm looking to get blood flowing into the hips, get everything, you know, getting everything moving and getting blood flowing through the joints. And then I'll get, I'll go to a barbell and I'll start working all the multi-joint movements, you know, standing press, squats, uh, bent over rows, things along those lines. So it starts real general uh, with just body weight, real general with barbell weight. Then you, then I start adding weight to the bar, and I, I begin doing squats. And generally, through the first event, I'm I'm squatting uh, right before each attempt. Generally, in a grip contest, the first event is grippers. And uh, if you see the videos that I have online for the North American Grip Sport Championship this year. You'll see that I'm closing grippers with this big powerlifting belt on. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, what are you getting on your grippers with the belt, man? 
And I'm like, dude, I'm doing squats right before my gripper attempt, and there's no way I'm going to sit there and fight with a belt, a big powerlifting belt, before I do grippers. So, you know, uh it's pretty people, funny, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, they, your YouTube coaches probably had plenty of coaching advice for you. <laughs> well, that's where you get all the best coaching is on YouTube. Yeah. Everybody's yeah, an yeah. expert. For real. I think it's, the lowest level of human being is the person that comments on a YouTube video. I think it's interesting that you use uh, like a powerlifting, um, the powerlifting movements as a warm-up, but in our conversation yesterday when we talked about like would you train a powerlifter to strengthen his grip, you you had felt that you wouldn't. And then you kind of well, talked a little bit about uh, when you went out to Westside. Um, yeah. John's been out there. He might be able to comment on some of the stuff that he had seen too as far as like power lifters and grip strength. But can you just kind of uh, we'll revi revisit that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So so the – okay, especially so for – So I wanted to ask you, would you yeah. – I'm a power lifter. Would you – would you train me in grip to improve my powerlifting? I would not train you in grip sport to bring up your powerlifting. I would not train you with an axle to bring up your deadlift grip. I would train you on the bar, and I would do certain, certain lifts with the bar so that are kinetically modified in order to, in, in order to more... To, to target in on your hands in the deadlift. Okay, so one, one thing would be like, I would load the bar up with tremendous, tremendous band tension and have you perform deadlift lockouts in a cage against that tremendous band tension. Yeah. Because with, uh, was, with double overhand grip or no, any grip that I want? No, I would just have, I would, I mean, you could do double overhand grip, but I, I would most likely have the person do alternated grip. Well, yeah, whatever they're going to use in competition. Whatever they're going to use in a competition. Exactly. Now, what, what, what? I, I, I will say this right now. I have never dropped a deadlift due to a lack of grip strength, and, and I you do think forward. it has something to do with my my large hands. But at the same time, I do a tremendous amount of double overhand work on my poles. So I'm sure. talking, I'm talking about just regular deadlifts with a regular bar. You know. Uh, things like bent over rows and things like that. Uh, the pull-ups that I do, I'm I'm I never go alternated on anything. So when I do go alternated in a competition or something like that, it's no problem. It's no problem for me. So so to a degree, you could focus on double overhand, but I think I've done that for years. I wouldn't want to build a deadlifter's grip strength up and take years to do it. I would want to do it in just a matter of weeks. So what I would do is I would focus on like overloading, overloading the area of the deadlift where they, where they can sit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's like such a smart and easy approach. I mean, you don't need to geek out on all these like super crazy um, grip strategies. It makes no sense. It makes yeah. no sense for someone who is having trouble deadlifting a bar to go do thick bar training. Yeah. And the reason but why you hear that, you know, or somebody might suggest that. That the problem is people it's like YouTube geniuses. People <laughs> give instruction on shit they don't know about. They don't know about and it ends up throwing people off. I, I've I've talked to 
at least a half dozen people who said, I just worked on Thick Bar for six months because you told me to work Thick Bar to bring up my grip strength, and my deadlift didn't go up at all. I'm still dropping deadlifts. And I'm like, yeah. I didn't tell you to work Thick Bar to bring up your, your deadlift grip. I told you to work Thick Bar because it increases grip strength in a general sense, but I've never told anybody to work Thick Bar, not that I recall, work Thick Bar for deadlifting. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, in in terms of especially like if um, you know someone's a sports specific athlete, you're gonna have them use their sports specific implements for the, right. the 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 majority of their training, and you overload those implements um, in the ways that you're talking with the band tension and stuff. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. Although I can hear a lot of people saying out there that you know to I don't know avoid accommodation, but it's I mean you're talking about you're talking about uh, using the implement, using like you would never try and throw a rugby ball the way you throw a football to get better at throwing a football, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 all along it's all going along the same lines. You know, if if someone's going to use thick, if if I have a power lifter and they're going to use thick bar, I would say like throw fat grips on when you're doing some rows or something, or use use a thick bar when you're doing pull downs. But I wouldn't modify the deadlift in pretty much any way because because when you use an axle even, it's changing the, the center of gravity of the bar. It's actually pulling it's it's pulling it out away from you. So it, it changes the movement there too. So not only are your hands getting a different stimulus, but the, the, the mechanics of the lift get changed. I, I'll tell you, I'm I'm real good friends with a guy. I don't know if you guys know uh, Rob Pilger, but um been friends with him for years. He's a he's a he's primarily like uh, he comes from boxing, but he also does a lot of powerlifting and he trains at Westside. And uh, Denny had asked about uh, me going to Westside. I've, I've never actually gone to Westside, but I did have the opportunity to ask Louis Simmons if he had his guys at Westside train for grip strength at all. This was way back in, I would say, 2002 when I first found out about grip strength competitions, and he said no. He didn't even, he didn't even you know, uh, blink an eye. He said, no, I don't do any grip with my guys because it wears out their CNS. Sure. Yeah. So, so he do, they don't do any extra work. But at the same time, these guys are doing super heavy deadlifts with chains hanging off the bar. With, with you know, they're pulling against band tension. So in reality, he's doing. He is doing grip it, but, work, but yeah. it's grip integration work. It's not yeah. grip isolation work. So, yeah. so that's nice. where Westside comes into the whole thing. I just had Rob ask Louie again like six months ago, and he said, no, we don't do any fat bars in our training. So as far as, like, CNS recovery, um, in, in the one article that I've read of yours um, that was posted on the Art of Manliness, you know? Right. That yep. one, um, you would mention that, you know, sometimes people can carry grip training uh, and do it every single day. You would suggest it maybe three times a week. Uh, if you were to do that every single day, um, how bad would that um, hamper well, your recovery ability? It would depend on uh, on how hard you're working. If you're if you're killing it like I would do in in one workout, and you're doing that every day, dude, you're gonna get fizzled out like in a hurry. But if if you're just doing like you know a few sets, or or you're building you're building thick bar into some of your poles or something like that. It's it's probably not going to affect you too bad. I know that that my worst, the the times where I felt it's affected me most negatively 
is what I've been doing a lot of pulling on a knurled bar. Like the, the knurled bar digs into my skin, it irritates my skin, and somehow like messes with my nerves or something, man. It's, yeah. and it, it, it gets to be really, really uncomfortable. And so, so I try to minimize my contact with a knurled bar sometimes. And I'll do like, I'll do like bench press with an axle. Or, or with my log, you know, if I feel yeah. like if I'm, if I'm preparing for nationals and I've got a lot of work that I need to focus on for, for grip sport, then I will, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get rid of neural bars and just go with smooth bars for a while. Nice, dude. Well, hey, Denny, we're, we're coming up on that time. Let's get a couple yeah. of canned questions. So, uh, Jed, when you're training or if you're warming up and you're at a grip competition and you're, you know, you're going to get jacked or you're going to get pumped, uh, we do a little playlist for each of our guests and we post it up on yeah. Spotify. What would be the you know, four, five, six, seven tracks that you would put in there to be sure that if you had to crush a human skull, you could crush it? Yeah, uh, yeah I saw this. I looked at, the, I looked at like, the plan for the interview, and I'm, I'm glad I saw that because I went back and I, I looked on my playlist on my, uh, on my phone. And uh, one thing that I would, one song that always works for me, I don't know why, is Small Victory by Faith No More. Yeah. Um, Small Victory. Is that on their uh, Epic album? It's No, it's on Angel Dust. Oh, old school. Yeah, it's on Angel Dust. Dude, I'm Faith No More, like, Faith No More's biggest fan. <laughs> nice. Maybe, maybe not quite, dude. I'll tell you what. Have you guys ever, have you guys ever heard the song uh, "Perfect Perfect Crime" by Faith No More? It was on the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey album. <laughs> Probably, because that movie's in my. It's uh, slipping my mind. Okay, slipping your mind. Well, that was the, the 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 music for that song was actually using another Faith No More song called "Sweet Emotion." That's okay. I just wanted to work that into the interview. <laughs> uh, I like Megadeth Symphony of Destruction mm. and Megadeth. I got three Megadeth Symphony of Destruction, A Secret Place, which was on the Cryptic Writings album, and Addicted to Chaos, which I think that was on the Euthanasia album. I'm not sure. Um. My theme song when I when I come out at grip contest, my theme song is. Oh my god. Tyler, what? Sorry. No, nothing. I can't wait. I'm excited to hear it. Well, yeah. No, no, no. Should, should we take everybody get a guess? Can we guess? Because we didn't hear you yeah. when you said it. So. Yeah. Um. Ladies first. Is it something by Bonnie Raitt? <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, uh, you gotta guess. Uh. All right. Um. I don't know. Cliche, welcome to the jungle. I'm going to go... Sorry's uh, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, pump up the jam. CNC Music Factory. <laughs> that's not that's, his jam. That's actually a fairly, uh, fairly good... Uh, not based on his other repertoire. None of this is... Yeah, he's, we're talking <laughs> Faith No More and some old school Megadeth. Denny, uh, go. Hit the lights by Metallica. No, I'm not a big um, Metallica fan. I'm more Megadeth. They kicked they kicked Dave Mustaine well, they out. They kicked so. him out. Yeah, dude. Yeah, they booted Mustaine uh, because Lars was a little bitch. But uh, I believe Hetfield is on record saying that if uh, uh, Mustaine and them ever reunited, they would take over the world. 
So I think everybody always hoped that like Mustaine would come back to it. I thought uh, we were taking over the world. I don't know, man. I, I'd probably go with like I got the power by Snap, but I know that's not it. I got the power. Fucking that was my <laughs> jam. I still <laughs> fucking listen to that song. So don't leave us in suspense. What is it? The band is Cold Chamber. Oh, dude, fuck yeah. In the song... <laughs> oh, dude, fuck yeah. yeah. The Roof is on Fire. The Roof is no. on Fire? No, 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 no. <laughs> they do call... My, my name... My wrestling name is Napalm, but it's not The Roof is on Fire. It's Tyler's song. Tyler's song. Oh. Danny, you don't know that song. Napalm. I don't know that song, but when I said... Danny's like, oh! Like, you were going to guess truck. that next. Well, no, Diesel Crew, Cold Chamber has that song, Big Truck. That's a great intro. I mean, heavy metal right down your mouth, right at the beginning. That's a good song, too, I'll tell you. That's a good one. But I seen Cold Chamber with Seven Dust, uh, 1999. Seven Dust. Seven Dust. I actually saw John Wellborn there. <laughs> uh, John Wellborn went on tour with Seven Dust. <laughs> I know, it reminds me, uh, oh. last, last week we had Eddie Ifton, and he's like, you talked about how you always have like the one up story on anything anybody I'm can not say. And I'm not a one upper person at all. <laughs> oh, I'm not a one upper person, but I did <laughs> But that reminds I did me. party with Seven Dust on uh, uh, Hollywood Boulevard at the at the uh, at, what is it, the House of Blues and ended up on their tour bus to Vegas and hit three shows No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> so Jen, I got I got one more question for you. Uh I don't know if you're a big movie fanatic or see see movies, but understanding the strength it takes to hold a certain amount of weight, just picking it up, do you ever find yourself like, oh, come on! Like, with that, oh, come on attitude, where somebody like, the movie Transformers 2 is coming to mind, where oh my fucking God. Shia LaBeouf catches his girlfriend falling 40 feet free fall, and just catches her hand and hangs on. I'm like, no way. It's love. That's Love what me. he must have been doing some grip integration training. <laughs> that would be tremendous, tremendous eccentric support ability. Yeah. yeah, dude. Do you? But do you ever? Do you find yourself just knowing that, like, and maybe people's <laughs> claims or watching movies are like this is fucking bullshit? Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. Cliffhanger. Stallone hanging on to that chick from the no, high. That was real, though. That's Dude, what about where he's, he's like on the all side Stallone, of the rock face with like all, one hand? All Stallone would have had to do in order to maintain his grip on that lady is touch his, touch his tongue to the roof of his mouth. There you go. Close chain. Close chain. It would have stabilized his neck. It would have stabilized his shoulder. It's it's like it's like uh, almost like a Valsalva maneuver for the for the neck. Yeah, but you know when you know when Sly Stallone talks, his tongue is like just barely hanging out of his I mouth. Don't, uh, don't, you say, don't you say anything about that man. That guy's a saint. He's a saint. Sly Stallone is a saint. Yeah. All right. Watch uh, your tongue. Well, hey, Jet. Thanks, man. You can stay on the line a, a little bit longer, but we're gonna do some plugs uh, before we jump in. Do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah. What's uh, this month? Yoketober. Well, this month is Yoketober. Check it out at DieselCrew.com. It's a, it's the top post. And if anybody. I'll tell you, if anybody needs help with their grip, I do. I, I help people all the time. I do coaching, um, and I've I've helped a lot of people out to to improve their grip for for their sports, not just for you know ripping stuff and tearing stuff either. It's like you know I've worked with with other athletes that have needed help on their deadlift and strongman training and things like that. So just look me up. 
So where should they find you on, uh, like, Facebook or Twitter or hit you up through your website or email or something? Yeah, ma- yeah mainly go through dieselcrew.com. Um, the other thing, I, I have a my, – my instructional site on grip is thegripauthority.com. Awesome. Nice. The grip authority, and that's that's where I do that's where I do like uh, mass coaching, but I also do one-on-one coaching too. So, um, look forward to working with people. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks, dude. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. So, John, we got a little Wade's Army update. Tex had to jump off to go torture some kids. Field strong Thursday over there in D.C. Uh, we're at twenty-eight. $1,750 raised, 48% to go. October 14th, we are, October 14th, last day to get your cert. Get so your last year at this time, we were at around $21,000. So yeah. we're already like, you know, seven grand ahead of where we were. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm starting to get a little nervous. I mean, I'm so excited that we're at this place and we're actually ahead of schedule and close to our goal. But I'm a little nervous because this is a buttload of shirts. Yeah, and you remember fun. what we did <laughs> last year. Well, you printed. I packed those shirts yeah, with yeah, love. Yeah, system. We'll be out of town. With Tex love. Tex comes into town and he figures it yeah, out. Yeah, with love. I packed them with love. But so, it, it got to the point where I packed it something like 663 shirts. 734. Oh, it was it was crazy. I was but, just uh, like, uh, but I, you know what? It, it's worth doing and it's part of our, uh, our deal. But, yeah, we're really excited. So if you want to jump on. Uh, yeah, so bring it back a little bit further because in case we get some people from oh. Jed's, Jed's audience. Okay, so Wade's Army is our 501c3 that we created. Um, it's a you know nonprofit that is purely dedicated to fighting neuroblastoma, which is a pediatric cancer that develops in, uh, in, in brain tissue and uh, uh, tissue of the central nervous system. So uh, it is usually strikes kids under the age of two uh, if, a, if a child contracts uh, neuroblastoma uh, and they're able to get through the you know their first fight on it, they have a pretty good chance of survival. But if it comes back a second time, it's got about a 90 percent chance of taking them so extremely uh, high death rate and yeah yeah it's, sort of it's yeah it's a scary right. deal and there's only a few places in the country that actually treat and deal with neuroblastoma so a lot of parents um, you know they their co- their child comes down with it they have to get in their car and drive and so we ended up going out and uh, helping some of the families you know with the burden and also fund some of the research I and mean, we donated a pretty good chunk of dough last year and we were so excited only to realize that a trial for one of these uh, experimental deals to cost like $150,000. So we realized like we were That's nowhere near where we needed to be. So we started the charity, the the nonprofit. We're doing the Wade's Army Drive, and Wade's Army is named in memory of Wade DeBrun, who was the little boy of Heather and Scott DeBrun, uh, who are friends of my wife. So that when this whole thing was going down with Wade, um, uh, we watched it play out on Facebook as my wife was pregnant with twins. And what really hit home is Wade is a twin or was a twin and left his little sister behind. So at that point, we realized, hey, we got to do something. And the first year we came out, we just sold shirts, donated money. Last year, we did the same deal. And this year, when we started the charity, we're kind of you know, going full and being able to raise as much as we can. Now, for those of you listening, the team to join is Team Wellborn. That's bold. If you join and support Team Wellborn. Don't do it. Uh, Don't go and, to the dark side. And Team Wellborn uh, is the, the top team fundraiser. Uh, there will be a special gift from John Wellborn. So if you what? want to be on Team Wellborn, no, don't listen. That's you cannot, you the cannot gift, fall through with that. Uh, promise. Listen, I, I will. I am packing the shirts. I will find out who's Team Wellborn, and they will get something. That special is, no, I you got, cannot make that promise. I've gotten this gift. It's a punch. It's a punch in the face. 
Yeah. So don't do it. Nope, nope. It's something special. It'll be in there. So for team, those of you who are strapped for cash, and if that's just absolutely impossible for you, you can't get involved that way, here's how you can get involved. Help spread the word. Share any of the stuff. Go to Facebook. Like the Facebook page, Wade's Army. Share anything. Try to build your own fundraising page. Uh, to build your own page is free. So if you're well-connected and you don't have any money, then it's time to start a campaign and get your rich friends over there to throw in 10 bucks. We call it networking in yeah. the biz. Yeah, yeah Team Wallborn. Team Wallborn. You can find me. Just go on there, Team Wallborn. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. So, yeah, we, but it's uh, it, it's a great cause, and uh, it's you know tax deductible. And um, it's uh, and on top of it, you get a really kick-ass T-shirt that uh, we've designed, and you get to join Wade's Army and wear your shirt. And then also November 11th, we have Wade's Day, where we do the workout that we were talking about earlier called uh, Wade. And we started it a couple of years ago on CrossFit Football, and now that it's kind of growing, now we're going to get gyms that are doing Wade and start really pushing this deal and uh, just really bring uh, a lot of attention. Um, Heather and Scott, uh, Scott in particular, is training uh, over in New Jersey where they're from, so he's trained to be able to do his son's deal. And I remember when we came up with the workout, he was, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a deal where he was, you know, wanted to do the workout to commemorate his son, but you know, wasn't necessarily up to the level because you know when I created this thing, it it's was obviously workout. for uh, it's not an yeah, easy it's, workout. It no, is highly grip intensive. It's by a son the way. of a bitch. It's uh, one arm uh, dumbbell power snatches and pull ups, and it's a it's a nasty workout. So uh, he trained for it and you know struggled with it, and this year we got him with with a trainer. Tech set him up, and that dude is gonna go out and crush it. I mean, yeah, he's stoked. Yeah, he's stoked. I mean, that's awesome. So, and Denny, I mean, you got people deal. like Denny. Denny, you're putting together a whole competition to, to contribute, right? Dude, I'm so excited about that. We got like 23 more days where you can register for it. We're calling it the Bonnie and Clyde competition. Um, we're looking for like the best. Um, we want a team of male and a female, right? Hence the name Bonnie and Clyde. We're gonna put you through like six events with the seventh one uh, to be announced the day of, and all the proceeds are going to go to uh, my Wade's, Wade's Army page. You son of a bitch. Yeah. You my, son of a bitch. I, I put a big high goal for myself this year, mm -hmm. and I think I'm going to – I think this is going to help me achieve it. So far, we're getting a lot of registration. People are excited about it. Um, well, little do you guys know, the entire Power Athlete Team Series is going to benefit my page. Lucky! <laughs> the, the Imperial Forces, the Imperial Forces so fighting the dark side. So, who's giving money? It's just people. That, well, we, oh. have, we got your bank card. It's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, but, so, get on, people. Uh, thanks for the support. Like I said, if every little piece counts. If you can throw in a dime or two, or at the very least, share some of our posts and get the word out. It, it really does, man. You when you start kind of putting the word out there, you, you you know you start getting responses from people who know people who either yeah. went through something similar or they actually have gone through you know somebody who had neuroblastoma and uh, like Luke's keeps saying, every little bit counts. So wagearmy.org well, we, and Wade's our Army our big fundraiser last year, our biggest fundraiser. Um, you know they just they're, they're back in and uh, you know his I believe it was his nephew. Or his, uh, yeah, I, I think it was his nephew. Nephew battled uh, neuroblastoma, and ended up. I think he ended up losing his, his battle, and like he came in strong, and like that guy kicked ass. And, yeah, they uh, had a whole family event. Yeah, no, it was it was big. I mean, you know, so we have uh, you know Power Athlete Nation. We got the CrossFit Football Nation, and uh, if you listen to this and you're not 
donating, we will come find you. Yeah, because we actually do track all that stuff. Yeah, we have your phone numbers and your IP Somehow addresses. We, it we out. have cameras that can see in your deal. But the police couldn't get my stuff back when it's on. Well, I just want to know how the police can't get your stuff back, but yet a hacker can get into chicks' phones and get their naked pictures. I never, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so the moral story is don't take naked pictures on your phone. Thanks for listening, yeah. Callie. Callie. I don't even want to see what's in that thing. It's probably food. Small feet. <laughs> I have nothing. I have. I don't know what to say about it. All right. That's Good it. Good show. Good show. And uh, what do we got next week, Denny? Yeah. Marl de Pasquale. Yeah. It's Marl's next week? It's it's Marl next week. Yep. So we got Marl next week. And then if you're in SoCal and you're up to the challenge on Saturday and you want to have a great time, I'll be emceeing Power Athlete Team Series 2014 event, The War, and you will get my A-game. I've been working on this routine for three years. Three <laughs> years. We're going to go into the what's the deal? Only, only seven years to go until it's perfected. Uh, it ladies and germs, boys, just line on. <laughs> Is it the same routine that I saw you do at the Lantern? Yeah, the one where he says, I got your nose, and that's yep. it. And then there's a little shirt swap involved. Dude, that one works with the kids nonstop. Oh, so if you're under the age of three, you can get them with that. I right. got your nose. Well, that's it. Let's wrap it up. All Bye. Right. Bye, you guys. Bye. See you. Later. See you. Uh.